Welcome to the Church of Rocky Peaks downloadable messages and podcast. Well, really welcome. Uh, glad you're here, especially if those of you who are, are brand new. Every week we've got people that are, are brand new for the first time. And so if that's you, a uh, special welcome. We're uh, excited about the people that God's bringing to be part of what he's doing here, this movement that he's unleashing. And uh, so if you're brand new, a special welcome. My name's Mike. I'm one of the pastors. Uh, and uh, we're going to be going into our time of teaching. We do this every week. And inside of your program is a message note sheet that will be very helpful for you to follow along this time and help you to stay uh, kind of plugged in. So I encourage you to take that out. And if you guys are all set, then I'm ready to go. You guys ready? All right, let's pray. God, we're just uh, thankful. Beautiful day. Uh, beautiful time of year to be here, to be seeking you together in our church. We're so thankful for what you're doing and what we've been learning about this this new creation that happens when a man or woman gives their life to Christ and, and they're changed from the inside out and start a whole new life, a whole new adventure uh, based on the death and resurrection of Jesus. And, and so, God, we, we come today to explore that and to talk particularly about the power of models, one of these incredible tools that you give us in our life to, to change, to shape, to be transformed, to be like you. And so I pray, Lord, that you'd give me strength, clarity, strength in my voice. I pray for this church that we would gather around your word now and we'd be listening to what your Holy Spirit would say and that we would put into practice uh, what you're going to be teaching us today. We pray this, you'd come and be our teacher in Jesus' name, amen. Well, uh, today we're continuing this series that we've been in for about the last couple months now. For those of you who are brand new, I want to welcome you and give you just a, a heads up. The series is called The Power to Change. And uh, it's a series based on a letter that was written from one of the leaders of the early movement of Jesus. His name is the Apostle Paul. Uh, he, he writes it to a, a, a church uh, that he started about five years bef- before. It's in the southern tip of Greece uh, in, in a, a kind of major metropolitan seaport named Corinth, still there today. And so, so he starts his church. He's there about a year and a half. Uh, people come to Christ. Lives are changed. Then he leaves. And over the subsequent years, he's been mentoring them various, via a series of letters. And we have a couple of those letters, and they're in our New Testament. The second one that we have is called 2 Corinthians, and that's, that's the, kind of what the series is based on. Now, uh, one of the issues that's happened is that uh, in the last year or so, that some new teachers have come into the church of Corinth from the outside. That they're bringing a different message, a different gospel, a different Jesus, uh, and they're proclaiming themselves as the true messengers of this new message. So they're, they're attacking the Apostle Paul. They're saying that he's not a true messenger of Jesus. He's not a hand-picked person, an apostle of Jesus chosen to speak for him. And they're, they're attacking his message. And so in this letter, Paul's addressing these issues. And so last week, if you were here, Paul talked about the, the message, the true message of Jesus and how it's different than this message these new teachers are bringing. And so if you're here, he, he talked about this true message that through Jesus, God has made a way for all of us to be restored in relationship with Christ where, where he takes on the kind of responsibility for our crimes that we've committed against God and we receive credit for the life that he lived. We call this the great exchange that happens at the cross. And so last week he's saying, here's the true message. This week he's defending himself as the true messenger. And so these new, new teachers have come in. They're claiming the message. He's saying, no, that's not true. They're accusing Paul of all these things. And so he needs to defend himself. Now, throughout this series, Paul, from time to time, has been defending himself. And it's not so much to defend himself like his ego or what people think about him. But he realizes that if these people reject him as the true messenger, they're also going to reject the true message. And then their whole relationship with God is going to be in jeopardy. And so throughout this series, he's often going to, from time to time, 
kind of, um, kind of defend himself as a true messenger. But when he does it, it's not just uh, to defend himself. It's often to hold himself up as a true model of what it looks like to follow Jesus. Because these new messengers are coming in, and they're saying, we're, you know, we're the ones to follow. Be like us. And Paul is saying, no, they're off track. And so he often will lift up his own life as kind of a model as their spiritual father, the one who led them to Christ. Like, here's the model to follow. And so today, the topic on the table is the power of models. And we're going to talk about this, that when we enter into a change process with Jesus, that one of his most powerful tools is that he brings models and mentors into our life to help us understand what does it look like to follow Jesus in, in real life. And these, these people play an incredible role in our growth process. So there in your note sheet, there's a section called Paul the Messenger, a model to follow. And if you have your Bibles or iPads or phones or whatever, turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 3, and we'll pick it up right where we left off last week. And so in, uh, in chapter 6, in verse 3, Paul starts off and he says, we, we put no stumbling block in anyone's path so that our ministry will not be discredited. Now, now let's set it up. So these, these new teachers come into town. They're criticizing Paul. You're, you're not, he's not bringing the true message. He's not a reliable messenger. They've been attacking him, that he has a lack of integrity in his life, that he has mixed motives. You can't trust him. And so Paul is defending himself, and he says, we put no stumbling block in anyone's path so that our ministry will not be discredited. He says, rather, as servants of God, we commend ourselves in every way. And this topic of commendation is a big one in Corinthians. See, these new teachers are coming in, and they're commending themselves. They're self-promoting. We're amazing. Uh, trust us. We're great speakers. We've had these incredible religious mystical experiences. We have the right racial heritage. And so they're commending and promoting themselves. They're boasting. We'll see this when we get to the end of the, end of the letter. Paul is throughout this letter. He says, I need to commend myself as an apostle, but I, I'm not going to talk about my racial heritage. I'm not going to talk about uh, kind of uh, my spiritual gifts or speaking abilities. What I'm going to talk about is what you know. I'm going to talk about the quality of my life. He says, they're attacking me, but, but you know me. I live with you a year and a half. I've been mentoring you these last five years. You know my life. And so what he's going to point to is not his spiritual gifts, but just the quality of his life, the quality of his character, how God has used him in, the, in their lives. And so he says, rather, as servants of God, we commend ourselves in every way. And he begins to talk about how he's, the life he's lived. He says, we've lived in great endurance, in troubles, in hardships, in distresses, of course, as we've seen in this letter, the Apostle Paul has suffered so greatly for Christ. He says, in beatings, in imprisonments, and riots, uh, but not just in persecution, but also in hard work, in sleepless nights, and in hunger, uh, really suffering and working hard for the message of the gospel in so many ways. And now he begins to talk to some of his internal character qualities, in purity, uh, talking about his motives, in understanding. Let me stop on that one. The uh, false teachers, of course, these new teachers are claiming to bring the, two message, the true message of Jesus. As we'll see when we get to the end of this letter, they, they will make great claims. They're such eloquent speakers. Paul will be the first to admit when we get there that he's not an eloquent speaker. But he says, but I am gifted in knowledge. Uh, in other words, that, that God has not gifted me as a great speaker, but, but God has imparted me the true message of Jesus. And so part of his defense is not just his character, but the spiritual truth, the true message that he's brought. So that's what he means here, an understanding. And then he goes on, 
And he says, in patience and kindness, you think of the fruit of the Spirit. In, in the Holy Spirit, his whole life and ministry has been Holy Spirit drenched. And in sincere what? Love. Okay, so, so the most important character quality, he's just loved these people well. He says, in truthful speech, and so they've accused him of uh, a lack of integrity. He says, no, it's in truthful speech. And in the power of God, the power of God that led to their conversion, the power of God that led to their, their receiving the gift of the Holy Spirit. Later on in chapter 12, he'll talk about as an apostle that he's demonstrated the signs and wonders and miracles of an apostle. And so they've seen the power of God operating in and through him in so many ways. With weapons of righteousness for the right hand and the left. So Paul often compares his spiritual life to spiritual battle. He says with, with these, these uh, weapons of right righteousness. And now he's going to talk about the paradox of his life. Because Paul lived this crazy life. On the one hand, greatly honored by God, you know, empowered by God, uh, honored by many Christ followers, uh, the apostles in Jerusalem. They all saw him as an amazing guy. But, but on the other hand, he, he was seen by his, often by, uh, by the, the culture in general as the greatest loser of all. We've talked about that. He'll, he'll refer to this later as the scum of the earth, that they'll see him as the scum of the earth. And so the, he lives this life of paradox, of glory, dishonor, uh, bad report, good report, uh, great reputation, bad reputation, dying and yet living. His life is a life of paradox, but through it all, he's followed Christ. He's been faithful. He's, he's demonstrated great character. And so he goes on and he says in verse 8, through glory and dishonor, through bad report and good report, genuine a uh, genuine apostle, genuine Christ follower, yet often regarded as an imposter, like by these, these new teachers. Uh, well known on the one hand, and yet regarded as unknown on the other. Dying, you know, with all his suffering he goes through, and yet we live on, beaten and yet not killed. Sorrowful, uh, many hard times he's gone through, and yet always rejoicing uh, in who Jesus is and the future that he has planned. Uh, poor financially, yet making many rich uh, spiritually, having nothing, you know, physically, and yet possessing everything as a follower of Jesus, the whole world to come. And, and so he's kind of laid out his claim. And his claim is that the, the, these, these new teachers are saying that they're amazing, you need to follow them. He says, but, but let me give my, a commendation of my life. You know me. You know the life I've lived, the purity I've shown, the suffering I've gone through, the power of God in my life, my love for you. And he's just kind of making his appeal. And so last week, after he talked about the true message of the cross, he made an appeal and he said, hey, this is the true message. And so I'm calling on you, be reconciled to God. Remember that? He said, to come, come back to the true message of, of, of the gospel. This week, he's basically saying, I'm the real deal. I'm the true messenger Jesus sent. Come back to me as your spiritual father, the one who's led you to Christ. And so he says in verse 11, we have spoken freely to you, Corinthians. It's all above board. We've opened wide our hearts to you. We love you so much. We're not withholding our affection from you, but you are withholding it from us. These new teachers have twisted their minds and they're, they're pulling back from Paul. He says, as a fair exchange, I speak to you as my what? Now underline that, very important. We're gonna talk about this today. Paul will, will often use this analogy that when he leads someone to Christ as an apostle, that he becomes their spiritual father. And the same way that a young child would imitate our, our natural fathers, he says, I want you to imitate me as your spiritual father. I'm a model for you to follow. And so he says, uh, he says, as a fair exchange, I speak to you as my children, 
open wide your, your hearts to us. And so these new teachers have come in and they, they have brought a new message and they presented themselves as new messengers. And they're presenting their lives as the new models to follow, especially their emphasis on success and, and power and, and not going through hard times. And Paul is going to say, no, no, no. We need to come back to the true message of Jesus. We talked about that last week. You need to be following me as a true messenger, as the apostle has sent. And, and you need to actually follow my life as a model, as your father, as your spiritual father. And so, so today it opens up this whole topic of, of models in our life. And, we, and we wanna, I want to do a couple things. Uh, first of all, I want to lay the groundwork by talking about a, a couple of very important principles about models and the role they play in our transformation process. And then second, I want to come back and ask you three very specific questions for you to think through your life and how this message kind of fits in the power of modeling in your life. So there in your note sheet, you have a section called The Power of Models, Two Important Principles. Let's just lay some groundwork and then we'll get real practical. Number one, the first thing that jumps out from this, this passage, Paul's life, is that our models, they really matter. So, so models matter. So words, as followers of Jesus, God has an agenda on our life, your life and mine. That agenda for us is for us to grow and become like Jesus, to be transformed supernaturally from the inside out. And so we've been talking about this through this whole series and the power to change. And so we've talked about this diagram that we enter into relationship with God through Jesus Christ. We enter into this new covenant, formal relationship with God. And we receive these three gifts, the forgiveness of our sins, the new knowledge of God, firsthand personal knowledge of God, power to change, become like Christ. And it's all a gift of the work of his spirit. And so what we've been talking about is when you, when you enter into this relationship, it's a supernatural, like a new creation happens in your life. At the core of your being, you're changed from the inside out. At the heart of it, you become a new person. And, and yet, we're, we, 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 and we begin this transformation process where we're going to become more and more like Christ as we listen and follow the leading of the Holy Spirit, right? That's what we've been talking about. Now, here's what I want you to catch. In this transformation process in your life, one of the most powerful tools that God uses to shape you and transform you are models and mentors. That's what I'm going to catch. That, that there's something about the way we're wired as human beings. It's one thing to hear, hear the message taught. It's another thing to see the message lived out in the life of a true Christ follower who you can see, oh, that's what it looks like to follow Jesus. Okay, so, so now I get it. So, so you think of this, like in just life in general, think of the power of models. Like the most, the, the most powerful example we have is the, the example of parents. Like I don't know what you think about your parents, and I'm not asking for a show of hands. Some of you are probably had great parents. Some of you probably horrible parents. So probably some of us kind of mixed in, in between, right? But one thing you can say about parents is they have a tremendous influence in our, in our life. And their model is incredibly, and so, so like for example, if you had bad parents or certain things about your parents you didn't like, that were not healthy, chances are even though you're a grown person and, and likely out of the house now or on your, on your way out of the house eventually, that as you look at that, there's many areas you say, I do not want to be like my mom or dad in that area. And yet you can be out of the house 20 or 30 years and you are exactly like your mom and dad, right? <laughs> Have, has that ever just like killed you? Like this killed you. It's like your whole life, I'm not going to be like that. And then it's like you're like that, 
You're like, how did that happen? I said I wasn't going to be like that, and I'm exactly like that. And so you try not to be like that, and you're still like that. That's the power of a model. It's the power of a model. And Paul understands this dynamic, and so he says, in the spiritual life, it works the same way. We're born again as spiritual babies. We come into a relationship with God. We have God as our father. We also have spiritual fathers and mothers. We have brothers and sisters that we're modeling after, and these people play a tremendous influence in our life. Our models really matter. And I, and I want to give you one example of this. I talked about this in 2 Corinthians 6. We just went through that when Paul is talking about his life, when he's commending himself, it's, it's not so much like, oh, you're amazing. What he's doing is he's laying out a model to follow. So these new teachers have come in and they've said, hey, as followers of Jesus, you shouldn't go through hard times, right? Because God's Christ is in you, resurrection's power, and so you should win, never lose, shouldn't go through hard times. Paul says, are you kidding me? We follow Jesus who is crucified. It's through the death experiences in our life we get resurrected. It's through we, we meet the power of God that we're changed the most. And so Paul says, no, don't listen to them, these health, success, wealth type preachers. He says, listen to me. And he says, look at what my life has been like. That's why he's talking so much about his suffering. And you see a very similar passage in 1 Corinthians 4. So it's, a, it's, a, it's a, a passage written a couple years before in a letter he'd written before. But I want you to say what he's doing, he's, 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 these, they've always been tempted, even before these new teachers came along, they've always been tempted to change the message of Jesus to more fit with their culture so they're more popular so they avoid persecution. From day one, they came to Christ. So they came to Christ, they experienced life change, and yet in their minds, they hadn't been renewed. And so they're still living their lives by some of these old values of their culture, success, uh, popularity, and so on. And so what happens when these new teachers come in later on, it's why they're so susceptible. Because they're they're just like uh, kind of, uh, there's like a model of what they already really believe in their heart. And that's why they link on to them. And so way back in 1 Corinthians, a couple years before, Paul had recognized this danger And so he had written to them, and I want you to see this passage, it's there in your note sheet, very similar to the one we just read, but but I want, the the kicker is at the end, I want at the end, we're going to see why Paul is writing this. So he says, he's lifting himself up as a model of suffering and saying, as a follower of Jesus, you have to be willing to go through hard times, and he says, to this very hour, we go, talking about his life as an apostle, we go hungry and thirsty. He says, "We're, we're in rags, you know, we're very poor. We're brutally treated. We're homeless. We work hard with our own hands. You know, when we're cursed, we bless. Just like Jesus uh, uh, taught us to to bless those who curse us. And he said, when we're persecuted, we endure it. We talked about that earlier. When we're slandered, we answered kindly. Up to this moment, we have become the scum of the earth, the refuse of the world. Now, Now, again, why is he doing this? He says, because He's laying out himself as a model. These new teachers are saying, you don't need to go through stuff. You need to understand this. So, so even though the new teachers haven't come on the scene yet, they're already buying into this kind of the, the thought patterns of their pagan secular culture and trying to avoid uh, suffering for the cause of Christ. And so he says, I'm not writing this to shame you, but to what? Warn to warn you. Why? Because as their spiritual father, he wants to help them stay on track. And he's using his life as a model. He says, as my dear, what? Children. So even though you have 10,000 guardians in Christ, you do not have many fathers. Okay, there's that analogy. For in Christ Jesus, I became your 
father through the gospel. You know, I became your spiritual. And says, therefore, I urge you to what? Imitate me. And so throughout his writings, Paul will often call his converts. It's like what he'll basically say is, I'm following Jesus, now you follow me. Because there's something about following Christ that, yes, we can read the Gospels, we, can, we should learn about Jesus, we should do all we can, and yet often we need people who are closer to us. In fact, in, in their situation, you know, Jesus was part of the Jewish culture, right? Now the Gospel has moved out into Roman, pagan, secular culture. And so these people are coming from a whole different background than Jesus' original followers. They, they didn't grow up as Jews going to synagogue with the word of God in their life. They, they grew up going to pagan temples and having sex with prostitutes. That's what their background is. They, a whole different philosophical background. So what does it look like to follow Jesus in this, in our culture? And so Paul will often say, listen, follow me as I follow Christ. I'm like a spiritual, follow me. And so in our life, we need people in our life that are further ahead on the journey that we can see, oh, that's what it looks like to pursue God. Oh, that's what it looks like to love people. Oh, I get serving sacrifice. That's what it looks like. Oh, sharing Christ. Okay, there's how you do it, right? So we all need people in our life uh, like that. We need these models. And so throughout his writings, the Apostle Paul will often say, follow me as I follow Christ. So for example, there on your note sheet, 1 Corinthians 11, Paul says, follow my example. Same letter, just later in the letter. Follow my example as I follow the example of what? Christ. Of whom? So, so in the old King James, follow me as I follow Christ. That, that's the idea. Now, let me, let me point out something right now. I want to do a sidebar here that's extremely important. And I might go off on a rant here, but I'm just warning you. Um, but but I, I need to quick, do a, a quick sidebar that uh, I want you to notice what Paul says. He says, follow my example as I follow whom? Christ's example. So, so what he's assuming is that these are his new spiritual kids, right? These are his spiritual children. And he says, here's what it means to be a follower of Jesus. I want you to grow up and be like me as your spiritual father. I want you to follow me as I grow up and be like who? Jesus, right? So as Christ. And, and so what Paul is assuming is that for us as followers of Jesus, the goal of our life is to become like Paul and then to become who's becoming like Jesus, right? Now, the reason I mention this is in Christian circles, we often make the mistake of falling into what I like to call two tier Christianity. And in two-tier Christianity, what happens is we, we look at like following Jesus, there's two kinds of people who follow Jesus. There are spiritual leaders, you know, like Apostle Paul, like, like pastors, like teachers. There's spiritual leaders who follow Jesus. They're up here, right? They're kind of one standard for them. And then there's the rest of us down here who are normal people, right? And there's a different standard for us. And so, uh, so, so often we fall into this trap, and, and so in, throughout church history, the church has often fallen into this trap. Uh, we do it in both Catholic circles and Protestant circles. A lot of you have come to Christ here at Rocky Peak or from your past out, out of a Catholic background, right? And, and for those of you in a Catholic background, you know how this is, that there are two different standards, right? There are priests and there are people, right? And, and there are different qualifications and standards for priests and a different qualifications and standards for people, isn't there? 
And so there's certain things that priests can't do. Like priests can't get married or whatever because they, they have to be holier. They have to be just kind of totally devoted to God. And there's certain things that priests can do that other people can't do. They have certain powers that other people can't do. And then you've got people over here, and they have a different set of requirements, don't they? Kind of a lower set of requirements. And so you have two-tier uh, you have two-tier spirituality. But we do it in Protestant circles, don't we? We just have more subtle ways of doing it, right? And so, like, if you're dying in the hospital, who do you want to have come pray for you? The pastor. Why? Because his prayers must cover more than mine, right? Right, because like, he gets paid to be good. Like, hey, he is a professional spiritual person, right? Like, he is up here and, and we are down here. And so, so for some of you, you, you would never dare to refer to me anything other than Pastor Mike, right? Because that's who I am. Like, I'm up here and you're down here, okay? It's two-tier spirituality. And, and so, so what you think is like, so it's so like, when I'm up here teaching, here's what happens. You go, man, you go for it, Mike, because that's what we pay you for. <laughs> like, we pay you to be passionate. We pay you to love Jesus, we need at least one of you around, right? We need like somebody up here to really be sold out and you're our guy, right? But we're down here, we don't really need to be that way because, because we're not really pastors, we're nothing special, we're just kind of people and so, so when you teach, it's awesome that you teach us like you do but we're gonna take your teaching and we're gonna divide it by five Right? And we're going to water it down five, you know, five parts water to one part teaching so that we get it down to like it's appropriate for our level because we are people and you are pastor. Right? Now, can I tell you something? The New Testament knows nothing of this mentality. The New Testament knows nothing of this mentality. That yes, I am a pastor, Joel is a pastor. That when we're up here teaching, there's a calling on our life. The calling is to lead you well. But it's not a different kind of calling. Like my calling in life, my primary calling is to love God with all my heart, mind, soul, and strength. And guess what? Yours is exactly the same. And when we get there, there's not gonna be like two charts, right? <laughs> okay, Mike, stand up here. You're in the pastor chart. Oh, not so well, you know? But and over here, someone comes over here, they're same height spiritually, and they're like, whoa, the bar was way down here. You're amazing. Like, we are all going to be measured the same way. It is the same standard. Like, I'm not supposed to be more passionate about Jesus than you're passionate about Jesus. Like, I'm not supposed to be growing faster than, than you're growing. We're, we're all in this thing. We are all following Paul who's following Christ. And his assumption is that every one of his converts is going to grow up and be like him He's gonna grow up and he's gonna be like Jesus, right? So he's gonna say, like, follow me from a distance. I know I'm amazing and you'll never get there, but at least keep me in line of sight, <laughs> right? He says, follow me as I follow. Are, are you with me in this? And this is extremely important, church, because if we're gonna ever unleash a movement, we have gotta get out the sledgehammer and destroy two-tier uh, two spirituality. They say, say, we are all called to be followers of Jesus. All right. So, so Paul gets this so throughout his writings, and we'll look at many examples today. He talks about this, but it's not just Paul. The, the New Testament talks about this. Like, look at this, uh, Hebrews 13, there on your note sheet. Uh, here's another example. Remember your leaders who spoke the word of God to you 
and consider their outcome of the way of life, like the way their life, uh, what it led to. And he said, and then, and then what? Imitate their faith. Can we say it again? Imitate. So the reason God gives you leaders is not to give you heroes. The God that gives you leaders, the reason he gives you leaders is to give you models that you are to follow after. And so we're all ahead of some people and behind some people on the spiritual path. And so we're to be a model to those behind us. We're to follow those who are ahead of us. All right. Now, uh, number two. The, the second principle then is that what you are looking for, uh, wait, wait a second, where am I? I told you I was going to rant. Number two. The second principle is who our models are matter, matters. So, so not only do models matter, but once you understand this, that we become like the models that we are pursuing, that you understand that it becomes incredibly important who your models are. So in other words, if we're going to grow and become like Christ, that we need to be very intentional and strategic when it comes to selecting our models. Because catch this, models are like magnets, okay? They are gonna draw us to, you show me who you respect the most, you show me who you care about their opinion the most, you show me who has the greatest influence in your life, and I'll tell you what, that you will become like that person over time. Like, like they will draw you after them. They're, they're, like, uh, they're like magnets. And so we, we need to be very intentional. This was the problem then in Corinth. The problem was is they had chosen the wrong models. When they're born again, their spiritual father is Paul. They start off great. He's their model, but now he leaves. New teachers come in. They've never changed from their core way of thinking. They buy into these new models. And these new leaders, as we, as we go through this series, we'll learn more about them. Uh, what do we know about them? Uh, we know that they're incredibly proud and arrogant, always into boasting, self-promotion. We know that they had serious character flaws. We'll, we'll talk about that more later. Uh, and, and they also had the wrong way of measuring spiritual maturity. They measured it based on spiritual gifts, based on uh, speaking gifts, based on uh, racial heritage, uh, uh, based on mystical spiritual experiences. The more you have, the more spiritual you are. And, and so they were measuring maturity the wrong way. And so what happens? The Corinthians buy into new models, and what happens? They become like their models. They become more and more arrogant. They become more and more proud. It's leading to factions and divisions in their church. They, they become, uh, their, their character begins to go south. They're not becoming like Jesus. They're becoming like their new models, and they're starting to measure their maturity. They think of themselves as wise because of all their spiritual gifts, and, and they're measuring the wrong way. You see, when, when you have the wrong models, you're in trouble. Right? Like, like some of you know this. Like some of you came to Christ in a very legalistic church background, right? All kinds of rules added to, to the message of Jesus. And, and you didn't know any better. Jesus came into your life. You were a new creation. You're excited. These were the people that shared Christ with you. And so you started modeling off of them, right? And so you started becoming harsh and judgmental just like they were. You started losing your freedom and your joy just like they did. You, you, you begin to add all these kind of man-made rules in your life just like them. Why? Because we become like our models. And so it's extremely important that we are aware of who we're modeling after, that we're intentional and strategic about selecting models in our life. And so, so at this point, I want to get really practical now. Okay, I want to break it down. And we're going to move in this next section there on your, on your note sheet that's called The Power of Models, Three Important Questions. And I want to ask you just three simple but powerful questions about your life. And the first is the most obvious. 
The first question is, who are your models? We all have them, whether we know it or not. So who are your models? Now, now here's what I say. Chances are that for many of this room, that that's a tough question, that our answer would be, gee, I'm not really sure. I haven't really thought about that. Maybe there's one or two people that kind of popped to mind, but, but in general, like, I'm not really sure. I think it's very common. We don't think in this kind of term. And, and so let me ask it a different way and maybe get your mind going. Uh, who, who would be the people in your life you respect and admire the most? It's often a key to model. Uh, here's another way of asking it. Whose opinion do you care about the most in your life? A third way of asking was, who has the greatest influence on your choices and your opinions? These are like three modeling type of questions, right, to help us get at it. Now, here's what I'd say, that for many of us, we are often unaware of who we're modeling after. You'd think we would be, but we're often unaware. The Corinthians, I don't, I don't think that they were really aware that, hey, these are our new teachers, we're going to model our lives, but they, but they were. That was the problem. And often in our life, even though we're Christians, we are modeling ourselves off of people that are not like Jesus or not like the Apostle Paul or not like that. It's, it's a fact of life. And so, and often we, we are doing it, we're unaware of doing it. Um, and, and so it becomes like a very dangerous situation for us. So, f- for example, for some of you, it's very likely that you're modeling yourself after your mother or your father, right? E- even if you don't want to, that you're modeling off of, of them. And, they, and if I were to ask you, well, do you think, like, like your mom, like when she's like super critical like that, or when she, do you think that's like Jesus? You, you say, oh, no, not at all. But she's still exerting huge force over your life. There, there's a modeling there. Somehow, because of the role she's played, you're still modeling after. Uh, some of us, we, we, we might be kind of the person we respect the most is the guy in the corner office of our firm who's been highly successful in business. And so without really realizing, and if, I, and if I were to ask you, well, do you think he's really like living out the Jesus life? He's kind of living like Jesus. You'd say, oh, just by asking, you'd say, oh, no, I don't think so. Right? He's, he's run over, and there's a lack of integrity, there's this blah, blah, blah. He's kind of neglected his family. He's gone through three divorces. And, and, and yet, so the moment I ask the question, we go, no, but the reality is, is that our heart's been captured by this person who's been very successful. And so without even knowing, we're modeling after this. Sometimes as lame as this sounds, and it's just almost embarrassing to say this, but as believers, we can like model our life after famous people, right? Like, like entertainment people. We're going to follow their blogs. We're going to follow their, their Twitters, you know, their tweets or whatever. Uh, we, we, and, and not that I'm saying it's, it's wrong to ever follow anyone. I'm not, but what I'm saying is that, is that often it's like, you know, we're going to read Entertainment Today or People Magazine. These kind of people, it's like, we, like we're like so fascinated with their life and what do they do this and how they handle their kids. And, and without even, we're like we're Christians and we're modeling ourselves after people that if we just stop and think about it, they're not like Jesus at all. Do you understand what I'm saying here? And sometimes it's like we got to wake up. We're just like the Corinthians. Paul's like going, hello. <laughs> and like these guys are leading you in the wrong direction. And so, so who is it that we are modeling our life after, right? So, so that's, it's a great question to ask because it, it, it has tremendous, uh, tremendous influence on us. And often without realizing it, you know, that sports star or that political figure or that business leader that's become such a model for us, we're, we're absorbing their values. We're absorbing who they are. We're becoming like them. And, and like the Corinthians, we're not becoming like Jesus at all. 
Okay? But number two, by, by the way, let me say this just to be clear. I am not saying that we can't learn from anyone but Christians. I want to be clear about that. I love reading biographies, leadership, uh, business magazines, all kinds. You can learn from all kinds of people, right? But the lessons you learn are going to be lessons that line up with who Jesus is and who line up with Apostle Paul and the teaching of the New Testament. They're not going to be opposed to that. They're going to line up with, with that, right? Now, number two, the second question then is what are you looking for in a model? Like when you choose someone to be a model, what, what should we be looking for? And, and I want to go right back to what Paul says here. He says, follow me as I follow whom? Christ. Okay, so, so Paul says multiple times, he's going to say, follow me. So for example, there in your note sheet, there's a great verse from Philippians 4. And Paul summarizes, it comes to the end of this letter where he's been teaching him how to follow Jesus. Then he, he gets to the end and he says, whatever you have learned or received, or heard from me. Now, it's talking about his teaching, okay? Whatever you've learned, you've received, or heard from me, or what? Seen in me. See that? Or seen in me. So he's talking about two kinds of model. Whatever you've heard from me, received from me, uh, kind of that's teaching. Whatever you've seen in my life, the way I've lived my life, he says, put into practice, and <clears throat> the God of peace will be what? With you. He says, okay, so, so here's how it works. I've given you a lot of teaching about the Christian life, but here's how it works. Kind of pay attention to what I've taught you, the spiritual truth, and pay attention to my life, the way I've lived, and if you'll follow that example, then you'll experience the presence and the power of God in your life. God will walk with you if you follow my example. And so often, Paul will lift himself up and say, kind of follow me as I follow Christ. So let's, let's talk about it. Let's talk about what are, some char- what, what, are, what are some qualities of the Apostle Paul's life? I want to throw out three of them. Three of them that are really impressive to me. These would be three things that I would look for in a model or a mentor in, in my life. Okay? Number one, first thing I see in the Apostle Paul is a passion for God. Like when I'm looking for someone to mentor from or to model after, I'm looking for someone who has a genuine passion for God because the most important thing in all life is to love God with all your heart. Why would I want to model myself after someone who loves something more than Jesus and is pursuing idols in their life, right? Like why, why would I want to do that? And so, so I want to give you uh, just a glimpse into Paul's heart, his passion. And I want you to turn with me to, to Philippians chapter three. <clears throat> now, uh, Keep your finger or, or, or mark Philippians or 2 Corinthians 6 because we're going to come back there and, and we're going to go back and forth between these two passages. So we're going to go to Philippians 3 and Paul's going to give us some insight into who he is as a person. We're going to, so we're going to follow Paul. Uh, who is Paul? Well, verse 10, he says, I want, I want to know Christ in my life. So he says, that's a driving path. I want to know Christ. I want to experience Christ. And I want to know the power of his resurrection. I want to know Jesus. I want to know the power of his resurrection. Of course, Paul knows that to experience the power, you have to go through the death of Christ, the suffering. And so he immediately says after, just like we've learned in 2 Corinthians, becoming like, uh, I want, and the fellowship of sharing in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, and so somehow to attain to the resurrection from the dead. Now catch, he says, not that I've already obtained all this. I, I don't have it all together or I've already been made perfect, but I press on, I, know, I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. And so, so you probably know this, but as a follower of Jesus, Jesus took hold of you for a reason. 
Like if you're here today, you're a follower of Jesus, trust me, he, it's because he took hold of you. And when he took hold of you, he has, it's for a reason. He's got a purpose, a plan for your life. And so Paul says, here's what drives me. I want to know Jesus. Uh, I want to know uh, his power of his resurrection. Um, and I want to know his plan for my life. I want to carry that out. It's what drives me. Now look at how passionate he becomes now. Verse 13, brothers, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. But one thing I do, underline that, one thing I do, top priority in my life, uh, I, I, whenever I was, I was thinking of Billy Crystal, City Slickers, what's the one thing? So one thing I do, uh, forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead. He's using the analogy of like an Olympic runner, you know, running for, for, for the prize, running for the, to win the race. Forgetting what's behind, straining towards ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize, think of the Olympic medal, the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ. And so, 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 so here's Paul. Here's Paul. Paul says, follow me. Okay, well, what do you like, Paul? Well, it starts in the heart. It starts in the passion. It, it starts with what do you live for? What do you die for? He says, I want to know Jesus. I want to please him. I want his power uh, experience his power in my life, and I want to accomplish his purpose for me. Can I tell you something, men and women? When you're looking for someone to follow, you look for that, number one. That's where you start. You look for the heart. You look for that heart of passion that's been captured by Jesus because that's where we're all headed to be captured by him. And so let, let, let's look for someone like that. But look what he says next in verse 15. We often stop reading at verse 14. But ver, verse 15, he says, all of us. Now, now so help me out. Wh- who of us? All of us. I'm in my ways. I just like I'm 13 again. Uh, so all of us. Uh, anyone here doesn't fall into that category, right? Uh, does he say all pastors? Does he say all spiritual leaders? Does he say all priests? No. He says who? All of us. Okay. All of us. What? All of us who are mature. So if you want to stay a baby for the rest of your life, like if you want to miss God's plan for you, if you never want to grow up spiritually and you want to live the fallen life you lived before, you want to waste your life, then you don't have to read on, right? If, but if you want to be mature, if you want to grow up, if you want to experience what God has for you, he says all of us who are mature, or mature should take such a view of things. You catch this? There's not two standards here. All of us who are mature should take this point of view. And so it starts with the heart. So look for someone with passion for God. Number two, the second thing to look for, look for character, the character of Christ. Is this person, are they demonstrating the character? Do they have integrity? Do they show courage? Uh, are they a person of peace? Uh, do they have self-control in their life? Is it a gentleness? Is it a kindness? It's interesting because I want you to turn back. Keep your finger here, but turn back to 2 Corinthians 6. You know, in 2 Corinthians 6, I pointed this out. When Paul commends himself, he doesn't commend himself based on his racial heritage, his educational background, his financial bank account, uh, his spiritual experiences that he's had with God, or his speaking abilities. All the things that the leaders were basing their model on. What he bases his model on is the work of the Holy Spirit and primarily his character. And so if you look at verse uh, chapter 6 and verse 
uh, for, rather as servants of God, we commend ourselves in every way, in great endurance. That's a character quality, isn't it? You skip down to the middle of verse 5, in hard work, right? Uh, he talks about all his suffering. Of course, that's a, the courage. Look at verse uh, 6, in purity, in understanding, in patience, in kindness, in the Holy Spirit, and in sincere love, in truthful speech. When you're looking for someone to model your life after, don't look for spiritual gifts and be sure to look beyond passion. Passion's a place where look for character. Look for the character of Christ. Can I tell you something? In the church of Jesus, we are often horrible at this, right? At the church of Jesus, you go to many churches and who is put into leadership? Whoever is successful in the business world. Whoever's been there the longest, who's served the most, who claims the most impressive spiritual experiences. No, you look for character. Read through the qualifications for elders. It's all about character, right? The Corinthians, they were all into the externals. Paul says, no, it's about character. You know, in the Christian community, we can be so slow on this. You know, some new star rises up. They write a book, sell a billion copies. They have a big church. They have a TV ministry. And we're so quick to latch on, right, and to make them a model. And then all of a sudden, there's some big scandal, right? You find out there's been an affair for eight years going on. Or, or they've run off with money. Or they've used, uh, uh, they've used all the offerings to buy their own personal jet. Or, or whatever the thing is, right? There's something going on. They have a major anger problem. Or they're very domineering. And, and like when, you, when they come and they're going to speak at your church, or anything, they are demanding people. And, and they act like they're a rock star or something like that. And you got to serve them. And they order people around. And, and all of a sudden it comes out and the whole Christian community is shocked. And like, oh my gosh, I thought this person was a spiritual leader. And, and we were following them. Like, what has happened? And here's what happens. There's a story comes out and happens every time that behind the scenes, those who were closest knew it all along. Those who were closest knew they had an anger problem. They knew that they were arrogant. They knew they were domineering on their staff. They knew that they had sexual balances. They knew that they were, people knew. But their logic went like this, God is blessing them so much and using them so much, he must be with them. Right? And so we fall in this trap. Men and women, we're looking for models to follow. You look at character. You look at character. If the character is not there, find a different model, right? Because if they're not becoming like Jesus, that's the goal, right? That's what we're modeling after. And then the third, the third thing to look for is spiritual truth. And, and I'm not going to say a lot about this one because it's so inherent to all of 2 Corinthians. It's why I pointed out what Paul said about understanding in his long list, that, that when we follow someone, we want to make sure they're following apostolic truth, apostolic teaching. This is what Paul is saying. Don't listen to these new messengers. It's a different gospel. It's a different Jesus. And yet so many times we will follow someone because of their charisma, because they're funny, because they're good looking, because they're successful, whatever the thing is. But, but they're, there's, they're not really in line with the teaching of Jesus and the apostles, right? So three things to look for in, in a mentor uh, or in a, in a model. Uh, we, we look for a passion for God. We look for a character you can count on. And we look for spiritual truth, right? Now, 
Before we leave this point, I want to point out, I want you to go back to chapter 3 of Philippians. I want to point out one more thing. So far, Paul said, follow me as I follow Christ. So we've looked to see who Paul is, but I want you to see something he says in Philippians chapter 3 that's really profound. In, in chapter 3 and verse 17, he starts off by saying something very similar to what we've heard him say before, join with others in following my what? Example. Okay, so we've heard that. Follow me as I follow Christ. But it's what comes next that's amazing. He says, follow, uh, follow my example, brothers. He says, and take note of those who live according to the pattern we gave you. Okay? So now we're talking about three generational modeling. There's Jesus. There's Paul who's following Jesus. And then in every church, there are those who are following Paul following a pattern that he's laid out, right? And what, what Paul is saying, he says, follow my example, but he says, but I'm in Rome, you're in Philippi, but, but you know there's people there in your church in Philippi. You, you know there's people going through traveling pastors and teachers. There's certain people, they're following the pattern that I've laid out. And so I'm a long way from you, so, so follow me as I follow Christ, but also follow those people in your life, in your church in Philippi, your church here in Rocky, follow those people that are following the pattern. Does this make sense? Now here's what I want you to catch, men and women, that in this church, that we are a gift to one another. In this church, there are people who are ahead of you on the journey, and there are people who are following you on the journey. There are others who are a model for you. There are others to whom you're a model for them. And in the church of Jesus, what Paul says is you need to pay attention to those who are following well because they're one of God's greatest gifts to you. And this leads to number three. The third question. The third question is, are you paying attention to your models? So, so catch this, it's not enough to know that models are important. It's not enough to even pick the right models. That once we've selected them, we have to pay attention to how they do life. And this is where we often make mistakes. That we will select the, sometimes the right models, but then we don't really pay attention. We just admire them, okay? So, so for example, in your life, God is going to bring models and mentors into your life. I, I, I can just promise you that. That, that as you're in community, God is going to bring models. In, sometimes you're going to be people very close to being a close friend. Sometimes um, th- they, will be, um, they, they will be someone you have close association with, like in your life group, and, and they're a model to you. Sometimes they'll be people that you know a little bit maybe distant from afar. You're maybe in the same church. They're a pastor. They're a leader. They're a life group leader. But you, you know them, and you really respect them because of their reputation and who they know. But you don't really have a lot of personal relationship. Sometimes our models and mentors can be people that we've never met, but maybe they're authors or speakers or we listen to their podcasts or something like that. Uh, sometimes they can be people that don't even live in our time. They've, they've gone before us. I think of my life, like models and mentors like Oswald Chambers, right? Like C.S. Lewis, like George Whitfield, like, like Martin Luther, just different mo- people that have a deep influence on my life that I've never met. I won't get to meet until I get there. And so models and mentors come in all different uh, shapes and, and forms, okay? But here's what we often do. Often, we will have a model in our life, 
but we, we, and we admire them, for, you know, but we don't really pay attention to them, okay? So it's one thing to admire, it's another to pay attention. So, so notice on your note sheet there, I put these two verses, they're both Philippians 3.17. We just read the first one. The second one's from the Good News Translation. And look, look what he says. Paul says in 3.17, this is the verse we just read. He says, keep on what? Keep on imitating me, my brothers and sisters. And then what comes next? Pay attention. Can we say it again? Pay attention. So it's not enough to admire. You have to pay attention and then imitate right? So, so here's how it works. In your life group, you're going to have people there that you respect. You're going to have people there that you really respect the way they do a marriage. Like maybe your marriage is not going so well, but you, you love how they do marriage. You really respect, or you, you, you're, you're in a single's life when there's a, a, a single adult that there's, they know how to date well, and they're doing well in sexual purity, and you're struggling in that area, and, and you, you want to learn more about that. Or, or there's someone that they are awesome parents and you're just you're you know you're just about ready to kill your kids and and theirs are they're like nice kids and they're under control but they're very spontaneous and well loved and you're like how do you do that and I just and so there's you know there's people that they're pursuing God and they have the kind of passion for Christ that you want but you're you're kind of burnt out or you're you're just flatlined spiritually and you don't know how to grow and so God brings these people and here's what we do we'll say man I really admire that We'll talk to our friends and say, don't you admire the way she handles her kids? Man, I just want to knock mine upside the head. Yeah, she's amazing, right? And so we notice and we admire, but we don't pay attention and imitate. And so here's what happens. In the body of Christ, we're a gift to one another. When there is someone who's further ahead on the journey than you, and it doesn't have to be in every area of their life, maybe it's just one area, but when there's someone that God brings into your life, we need to pay attention, and then we need to go after them, and we need to pursue them, and we need to have conversation with them, and we need to say, could you help me be a better husband? I just don't get women. I, I know women. I'm married to a woman. I don't get women. I gave her flowers. It was two days late. Yes, but still, I remembered, and it was this, could you help me, right? And, and you take that guy out for coffee, and you say, hey, has your marriage, it seems like it's great. Is it really great? Or is it a sham? And, 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 it, and okay, so now if it is great, it, was it always great? Has it always been easy? Like, what's your journey? You've been married 15 years ago. Like, what? You know, could you help me, right? And, and you know what? That brother's going to go, absolutely. Right, and it's not been always been easy, and here's some things I learned. You're gonna take that mom out, and you're gonna say, man, I just admire the way your kids are and the way you parent. I, I, I don't have a clue about that. Like, wh- how did you learn that? There's gonna be someone in your life group that they've got the financial thing wired. There's giving, spending, making, give, uh, investing. I mean, they, they've got it down, and you struggle in that area. You see what I'm saying? The body of Christ is a tremendous resource. He has given us to one another. Right, We are his church, and he's working in our life, and you're ahead of some, and you're behind others, and, and so we can press in, and we can pay attention, and then we can begin to imitate. And imitate means, okay, so how do you do that? Okay, let me try that. So how do you do that? Okay, let me try that. Right? Okay, so, so how did I do? What, what, do you, what do you think? What, can you coach me in this? You see, now we're imitating. Until that, we're just admiring. And so God has given us the church of Jesus to be an awesome modeling center. 
This is why, one of the main reasons we take our whole big church and we break it down into small groups. We want to create places where we can learn from one another. We can model off of each other. And as we do, there's a power that's released in our life as we pay attention, we choose the right models, we pay attention, and we begin to imitate. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the new creation reality in our life, and thank you for this lesson today that one of your greatest tools is, is spiritual models and mentors. And so we pray that you would, you would come to us, that you would teach us as a church how to model and mentor each other as we grow together and learn together what does it look like to pursue you and to live a life of character and to go deep in the truth that sets us free. And we pray this in Christ's name. And Lord, as we go now into a time of worship, uh, we pray that you would receive our offerings as we bring them and just set our hearts on you as we pursue you together now in Christ's name, amen. Wow, lay me down. I feel like I've been to church. <laughs> That is awesome. And this is what it's all about. Uh, we've learned this series, He Died for Us That We Might Live for Him. He died for us that we might live for Him. And so we're going to lay it down, right? Right? Are you ready to lay it down? I mean, how many of us today will be ready to give our life for Christ if that's what it requires? Now, I look forward to I, I see a church coming that we're ready to lay it down, whatever it means. Whatever it means, we're going to live for him because his name, his fame is what drives our hearts. Amen? Amen. So we're going to lay it down. We've got to quit because my voice is about God. I think I'm about done for one day. But, you know, I tell you what, I just want one challenge for you. I wish we had more time to talk about this modeling thing. But, but, but for those of you who are parents, man, I hope you're listening well today because I'll tell you what, as parents, it doesn't matter what we say it matters who we are. And, and can I tell you something? Our kids are way too bright. They read between the lines. And, and so as parents, man, if we had another 15 minutes, that's where I'd go. But, but I think you can put two and two together with what we've, we've studied today. D don't miss this. As followers of Jesus, we're always ahead of some, behind others in our growth. We're a model for those who are behind us. We're modeling off of those uh, in front. And that starts with our own homes. Uh, we've got prayer for you. If you need some specific prayer after service, like we always do at the back of the auditorium. Next week, uh, looking for this journey through Corinthians. Um, uh, the, many of the Corinthians had come out of a, a past of idolatry, uh, uh, pagan worship. And, you know, we, we all come to Jesus out of a past of idolatry. Uh, because the idol is that which is ultimate value in our life, that which we live for, we believe will bring us happiness. And, and so Paul is going to challenge them next week. Some of them are going back to their old idolatry. He's going, man, you've got to lay it down. You've you got to leave this. And so next week we're going to talk about the power to leave our past behind and, and the power of idols in our life and how to break that power, how the power of the cross breaks power of idols so we can be the people that God's created us to be. Until then, may, may the Jesus of the resurrection uh, be your Lord this week. Uh, may you lay it down for him every day. May you surrender to your true king and find in that your ultimate calling and fulfillment and greatest joy. And may you be modeling off the right people. May you follow Paul as he follows Christ and follow those who are following Paul, even in our own church, that we would live together for his name and for his glory. Amen? Amen. God bless you guys. Have a great week. Well, that's going to do it for this week's message. We hope you've enjoyed it as much as we have putting it together. 
please visit us at rockypeak.org where you can download more messages or have your questions answered. Remember, you can subscribe to our weekly podcast for free by searching for The Church at Rocky Peak from within the music store in your iTunes software. For Lead Pastor Mike Yearly and everybody up here at The Peak, thanks for listening. <laughs>